0: This is section O two of The Gilded Age. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Gilded Age, A Tale of Today by Mark Twain and Charles Dudley Warner Chapter 2 Toward the close of the third day's journey, the wayfarers were just beginning to think of camping when they came upon a log cabin in the woods. Hawkins drew rein and entered the yard. A boy about ten years old was sitting in the cabin door, with his face bowed in his hands. Hawkins approached, expecting his footfall to attract attention, but it did not. He halted a moment, and then he said, "'Come, come, little chap! You mustn't be going to sleep before sundown!' With a tired expression, the small face came up out of the hands, a face down which tears were flowing. "'Ah, I'm sorry I spoke so, my boy. Tell me, is anything the matter?' The boy signified with a scarcely perceptible gesture that the trouble was in the house, and made room for Hawkins to pass. Then he put his face in his hands again and rocked himself about as one suffering a grief that is too deep to find help in moan or groan or outcry. Hawkins stepped within. It was a poverty-stricken place. Six or eight middle-aged country people of both sexes were grouped about an object in the middle of the room. They were noiselessly busy. And They talked in whispers when they spoke. Hawkins uncovered and approached. A coffin stood upon two backless chairs. These neighbors had just finished disposing the body of a woman in it, a woman with a careworn, gentle face that had more the look of sleep about it than of death. An old lady motioned toward the door and said to Hawkins in a whisper, His mother, poor thing, died of the fever last night. There war not no such thing as savin' of her. But it's better for her, better for her. Husband and the other two children died in the spring, and she ain't ever hilt up her head since. She just went around broken hard luck and never took no interest in anything but Clay. That's the boy thar. She just worshipped Clay. And Clay, he worshipped her. They didn't appear to live at all, only when they was together, lookin' at each other, lovin' one another she's been sick three weeks and if you believe me that child has worked and kept the run of the medicine and the times of giving it and sought up nights and nursed her and tried to keep up her spirits the same as a grown-up person and last night when she kept a-sinking and sinking and turned away her head and didn't know him no more it was fittin' to make a body's heart break to see him climb onto the bed and lay his cheek agin her and call her so pitiful, and she not answer. But by and by she roused up like, and looked around wild, and then she see him, and she made a great cry, and snatched him to her breast, and hilt him close, and kissed him over and over again. But it looked the last poor strength she had, so her eyelids begin to close down, and her arms sort of drooped away, and then we see she was gone, poor Creeter, And Clay, he— oh the poor motherless thing i can't talk about it i can't bear to talk about it clay had disappeared from the door but he came in now and the neighbors reverently fell apart and made way for him he leaned upon the open coffin and let his tears course silently then he put out his small hand and smoothed the hair and stroked the dead face lovingly after a bit he brought his other hand up from behind him, and laid three or four fresh wild flowers upon the breast, bent over, and kissed the unresponsive lips time and time again, and then turned away and went out of the house without looking at any of the company. The old lady said to Hawkins, "'She always loved that kind of flowers. He fetched them for her every morning, and she always kissed him. They was from away, north summers.' she kept school when she would first come goodness knows what's to become of that poor boy no father no mother no kinfolks of no kind nobody to go to nobody that cares for him and all of us is so put to it for to get along in family so large hawkins understood all eyes were turned inquiringly upon him he said "Friends." I am not very well provided for myself, but still I would not turn my back on a homeless orphan. If he will go with me I will give him a home and loving regard. I will do for him as I would have another do for a child of my own in misfortune." One after another the people stepped forward and wrung the stranger's hand with cordial good will, and their eyes looked all that their hands could not express or their lips speak. "'Said like a true man,' said one. "'You was a stranger to me a minute ago, but you ain't now,' said another. "'It's bread cast upon the waters. It'll return after many days,' said the old lady, whom we have heard speak before. "'You got to camp in my house as long as you can hang out here,' said one. "'If there ain't room for you and your'n my tribe'll turn out and camp in the hayloft.' A few minutes afterward, while the preparations for the funeral were being concluded, Mr. Hawkins arrived at his wagon, leading his little waif by the hand— and told his wife all that had happened, and asked her if he had done right in giving to her and to himself this new care. She said, "'If you've done wrong, Si Hawkins, it's a wrong that will shine brighter at the judgment day than the rights that many a man has done before you, and there isn't any compliment you can pay equal to doing a thing like this and finishing it up, just taking it for granted that I'll be willing to it.' willing." Come to me, you poor motherless boy, and let me take your grief and help you carry it. When the child awoke in the morning, it was as if from a troubled dream, but slowly the confusion in his mind took form, and he remembered his great loss. The beloved form in the coffin, his talk with a generous stranger who offered him a home, the funeral where the stranger's wife held him by the hand at the grave, and cried with him and comforted him and he remembered how this new mother tucked him in his bed in the neighboring farmhouse and coaxed him to talk about his troubles and then heard him say his prayers and kissed him good-night and left him with the soreness in his heart almost healed and his bruised spirit at rest and now the new mother came again and helped him to dress and combed his hair and drew his mind away by degrees from the dismal yesterday by telling him about the wonderful journey he was going to take and the strange things he was going to see. And after breakfast they two went alone to the grave, and his heart went out to his new friend, and his untaught eloquence poured the praises of his buried idol into her ears without let or hindrance. Together they planted roses by the headboard, and strewed wild flowers upon the grave, and then together they went away, hand in hand. And left the dead to the long sleep that heals all heartaches and ends all sorrows. End of section two.